Well, I get to share with you the title of this morning's message is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Does anybody know that hymn? I'm not going to sing it for you, but it's a great song. Um, what a Friend We Have in Jesus. If you're taking notes, that's the title of this morning's message. And we're going to be looking at, hopefully we'll see if I get to it, three points uh, within this sermon. But there's some things that God's just been stirring in my heart um, that he wants to share with us this morning. So I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit lead, guides, and directs me, um, that I don't just stick to my notes and that I don't just wander all over whatever thought comes to my mind, that I truly am led by the Holy Spirit um, to bring the word of truth to you guys this morning. So would you pray with me? I know we've prayed over lots of things already, but let's pray one more time. Jesus, I thank you that your word is living and active. Would that be true in this very moment? Give us ears to hear. Help me, Holy Spirit, help me deliver your words in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, see, I'm trying to get better. Short prayers, quicker. All right. Um, not promising that I'll be done in 20 minutes, but um, where we're headed this morning is the very first point I want to bring to you is that Jesus is a friend of sinners. That's the first point. Jesus was and is a friend of sinners. If you read throughout the Gospels, he actually got some flack for this. Jesus being a friend of sinners. Um, the religious, they didn't like sinners, right? There was the law. There was the Old Testament. And there was all these standards, which was good. It was God's law. It's what they were supposed to be following. And so when people were not following the word of God, following the law, you were ostracized. You were not a part of what God's house. And when Jesus shows up on the scene... He keeps being kind and loving and friendly to sinners. And it drove the religious people nuts. Like, what is wrong with this guy? And so, we'll look, just so you know, I'm not making this up. Um, it says this in Luke 19.7. I have these references. So Luke 19.7 is a story about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And that was one of my favorite stories in, in kids' class because there was a song to go along with it. And because I've pretty much been a wee little man all my life, I was always the shortest guy in my class. And so I just love the story of Zacchaeus. He had to climb that sycamore tree, right, to see what he could see. Um, and I love that story, not just because of the short stature of Zacchaeus, but because it displays, it says this in Luke 19.7. Um, it's, the, it's the people responding to Jesus being a friend to Zacchaeus. And it says this in verse 7. When they saw it, when they saw Jesus being friendly, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. <gasps> How dare Jesus? He's hanging out with sinners. And I just was thinking about that for this first point. I wonder how many people outside the church view us as their friends. Oh, you went there, Pastor, right? We're supposed to be Jesus followers. We're supposed to be like Jesus. But I think in Jesus' day, there were people that were in the world that actually liked Jesus better than the people that were in the church. And I think, unfortunately, where we're at today, it's when you're in the church, you're part of the elite you know, few. And when you're outside the church, like we judge those people out there. They're the sinners, those secular, horrible sinners out there. And yet Jesus, that's where he hung out. That's where he spent time having dinner, going to their houses. Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today, right? And then as he did that, as he was being friendly, as he loved on Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus repented. said, man, half of everything I own, I'm giving to the poor. And if we find out that I've cheated anybody, which he would have cheated a lot of people out of their money, he said, I'll pay him back four times the amount of money. He was actually, he changed his life. This sinner changed his life because Jesus was friendly. Jesus said, hey, let's break, a, let's break some bread together. It's amazing what can happen when we are a friend to a sinner. When we treat someone that they have value before they even changed. Isn't that the gospel? That while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
that you and I, we fall into that same category. We just sang songs. We just took communion. That while we were sinners, Jesus was our friend. He didn't wait for us to ask for forgiveness and then become our friend. Jesus is actually, through Scripture, he was a friend of sinners. It's the label that people accusing him of. And he said, I'll take, that. I'll take the label. Yep, that's who I am. I'm a friend of sinners. That you don't have to earn, you don't have to do anything to deserve my friendliness to you. I'll come to where you are in your sin and I'll be a friend to you in that. And I felt like this morning as I was sharing this, in John 15, 15, Jesus says, I call you friends. This idea of being friends with Jesus, I've grown up in the church all my life and I'll say that I've grown up not blaming, because I grew up mostly in this church, so I'm not blaming this church, but I'm saying I just grew up in the church with this idea that I'll say has been influenced maybe by a religious spirit. That to talk about Jesus being our Savior, that's always promoted in the church. Jesus being the master of the universe, Jesus being the creator, these are all good things. But if you talk about Jesus being your friend, you better have some caveats. You better do some explanation because he's a lot more than just a friend. Like we get scared. This religious spirit would tell us, well, don't get crazy. Like you're not equal to God. And I agree, God's word, take it all in context, we're not. But Jesus says, I treat you as my equal. I'm telling you, this religious spirit inside of me doesn't like it. You're not the same as Jesus. And yet I get it. He is God. He's eternal. I'm not. But he calls me his friend. He calls you his friend. And I feel like there's religious spirits that feel like, well, that would be like a prosperity gospel. You're getting, you're watering it down. It's exactly the Pharisees still to this day. Pastor, don't preach about being friends with Jesus. Like, I know I've shared this story before. Um, my wife came out of being raised as a Catholic. And so there was, I'll just say it, there's a lot of religion. There's a lot of tradition. There's a lot of having to do things to perform to make God happy. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I don't care about religion as far as performing for God. I just want relationship. And so as she came out of this Catholic faith, the understanding and being taught what it is to be a Catholic, I remember she came here in high school and we sang a song, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. And I remember she's like, I can't sing that song. I'm not going to sing it. She would not let those words come out of her mouth. Like, that's sacrilegious. That's dishonoring to God. He's God Almighty. He's not my friend. He's not like my bro, right? And I, I've heard sermons like that, Jesus is my bro. And I've heard the church get mad at a youth pastor. For, you, could go, you could YouTube it. There's a guy that, Jesus is my bro, and the church just rails on this guy. He's not your bro. He's your master. And I'm saying, yes, he is your master. And he's also my best friend. And I, I guess this morning, I'm not trying to teach you all through God's word to convince you. I shared it on Wednesday. I'm not a lawyer. If you're looking for me to convince you out of well-eloquent words, you got the wrong guy. But what I do know is my own relationship with God. I know that he calls me friend. I share with you unreservedly that I am God's favorite. He tells me all the time, I'm his favorite. Is that to say that you're not his favorite? Is it to say that I'm better than you? No, I'm just conveying to you my relationship with God. He calls me his friend. He calls me his favorite. I believe he can do the same thing in your life. So it's not that I'm any better. I just want a holy jealousy. I want to provoke you that, man, because I've grown up in the church, 
I've grown up with this history of being friends with Jesus. And I meet people like my wife when she was in high school. She's like, Jesus is my friend. He's my savior. And I'm like, oh no, he's your savior and your friend. Like I've known him since I've been five years old. I talk to him like my friend. I have conversation with him all day long. There's like inside jokes that I seriously, I'm not comfortable telling you guys because they're inside jokes. Like between me and Jesus, that's what friends have. He's my best friend. There's things that happen in my relationship. My best friend relationship with Jesus is very different. I've shared this several times than my wife's best friend relationship with Jesus. We talked, I talk to Jesus very different than she does. I hope you do too. Because I talk to my best friend differently than I talk to you guys as your pastor. I let go, right? I let loose. I, I have to be careful what words come out of my mouth up here in front of the platform, being recorded, online streaming. Ah, I have to be careful. When I'm with my best friends, I'm not thinking, be careful. I'm just thinking, oh, I just get to be Ryan. I love that about my relationship with Jesus. I don't have to say some scripted prayer. I don't have to say the these, the thous. I don't need any religious thing. I'm just having conversation with him. I love that he is a friend of sinners. That even when I have just committed a sin, and I'll confess to you, yesterday I had to confess to my wife, I sinned against my own wife. And I loved it. The moment I sinned against her and I went to my own bedroom by myself, I couldn't get away with it. Immediately, my best friend's like, ooh, how dare you? I love that he's such a good friend that he's willing to tell, speak the truth to me in love. He's not just a friend of sinners. Actually, it's my second point. I'm kind of going to my second point. He's a friend who wakes us up. John 11, 11. He's a friend who wakes us up. John 11, 11, he's talking about Lazarus, one of his best friends. And he says, let's go. It's time to go wake my friend up, right? Let's, what does it say? John 11, 11. You can pull it up because I don't even have my notes up and I'm skipping all over the place. Um, but it says this, right? Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I might wake him up. When I was reading this, this past week, preparing this message, I've read this passage a zillion times. But I don't know how many things, I, I would say for, I don't know, maybe over an hour, I just was chewing on this one verse. And more and more was just coming out of it. I don't have time to give you all that I got in that hour, but I want to highlight a couple things. I love that it's our friend. It's the same thing. Jesus, he makes us God the Father and the Holy Spirit. We are all his friends. I get it. God, unity, trinity, they're all one, right? But there's something about Jesus becoming a man and becoming like one of us that he's saying, oh, Ryan, that's my best friend. Dad, you got to meet Ryan. Like, this is my best friend. Holy Spirit, you got to meet him. Oh, he's great, right? He's my best friend. And now it's our friend, right? Our friend Lazarus, he sleeps. Let's go wake him up. And I love this because this is what I just told the story. Jesus wakes me up. He opens my eyes to see where I've been blind. When I was sinning against God and against my wife, I did not see it. I was blind and I thought she was wrong and I just was being the, the man of the house and telling her how it is, right? All, all these things, right? I'm blind. And thank goodness I have a friend that when I stepped away from the situation, he's like, hey, Ryan, since I'm your good and best friend, let me tell you, you missed it, buddy. I love that he wakes me up. Some of you, maybe you don't like that, but I love that about Jesus is he doesn't let me get away with sin. He's a friend of sinners, but he doesn't let me get away with it. He calls me to be holy. 
And he says, let's wake up. I don't want you to be blind to the sin that you're wallowing in. Let me speak the truth to you in love. You're apathetic. Some of them need to hear that. Sometimes I need to hear Jesus tell me, Ryan, you're lazy. <laughs> Can I tell you, sometimes I don't really enjoy it in the moment, but after I hear it and I begin to work out my salvation, I begin to listen to him like, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you woke me up from that. Because I could have been in a pattern of just wallowing in this, and instead you woke me up. Right? We sang the song, he put my feet on solid, he turned my life around. He's such a good friend that he is observing my life at all times. He's with me, right? He's closer than a brother. He's aware of everything that's going on in my life, and he's like, Ryan, I'm not letting you get away with it. And I feel like the same thing in relationship with you. We need a friend. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. There's some of us in this room that I, Scripture says that there's such thing as a spirit of heaviness. It says, put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's Scripture. So there is a demonic spirit called heaviness. Some of us, we go through life and things just keep getting added on to our life. And we're like, oh, my life is heavy. I feel weighed down. You need a friend. You need someone to come along and put their armor on your shoulder and say, I'm here with you. I'll be closer than a brother. Man, I just, I know. I, I guess I'm convinced. I'm not, when I say I know, it's not that I'm thinking of specific individuals and I know exactly what's going on in each one of your lives. I'm just aware that in this room, there are people that you know, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but you know who you are. You need a friend. I mean, in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of going on almost two years, right? All things going on, loneliness. Maybe someone's watching online and you're all by yourself at home. Loneliness, right? Talk about depression. I don't even know all the statistics. I just know they're bad. In America, right? Depression, all that stuff is out. It's astronomic. All those crazy numbers. People need a friend. I'm saying not just a human friend. They need a friend like Jesus, I was thinking about how the person in the Bible who claims he was the best friend of Jesus, and he's got some substance to his claim, right? He was one of the 12 disciples. So, okay, he's in, right? One of the 12 disciples, he's best friend. But then even the 12 disciples, he's in the inner three, right? So he's like, oh, man, I'm like the best. I'm one of the three best friends of Jesus, right? Peter, James, and John, you know who I'm talking about? John, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved, right? He, just kept, he wrote it over and over again, right? And he made sure to let you know that when they were having the Last Supper, what we just celebrated today, he let everybody know, yeah, but I was the one leaning on Jesus' chest. Like, that's me. I was his best friend. To me, I relate to John. I'm Jesus' favorite, Right? <laughs> Some people, they really relate to Peter. They're, they're those um, outgoing type A personalities. I've shared with you several times. I don't see myself as a natural born leader. I don't see myself like Peter as far as personality wise. Yes, I'm called to be a leader, a pastor, a shepherd, all those things. But as far as personality, Peter, man, different personality. John, that's probably me. I just love to be with Jesus. I just love being his friend. And I feel like, oh man, I get choked up. I feel like that's partly why God has called me to be a pastor. It's not because I'm an eloquent leader. I just know Jesus. And I love him so much. And there's just burning in my heart for people to have that friendship relationship with him. 
I just think about there's people in this room that you have an understanding of who God is. You believe he's the creator. You believe that Jesus died on the cross. But I wish I could just convince you that he really is your best friend. That you don't need anything else. I'm not saying that being a friend is better than a savior and all those other things. But I just, I think about how John writes and talks about Jesus. And after the Last Supper, he's just talking. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And John just keeps recording different things than the other disciples record. John 15, 15, I recorded to you, right? I call you friends. I no longer call you slaves. John is recording this. He's saying, you know, Jesus, the way he talked to us, he didn't command us to do things like all the Old Testament did. It was like, do this or you cannot go to heaven. And the way Jesus talked to us, he talked to us like friends. And he says, I call you friends because I'm actually telling you what I'm trying to do. I'm not just giving you commands, do this, don't do this. I'm actually explaining to you why. I'm everything the Father's told to me, I'm revealing to you. Nothing hidden. There's no secrets between Jesus and the Father that Jesus isn't willing to tell you. That's amazing. I just told you I have, I have secrets between Jesus and me. But guess what? There are no secrets between Jesus, the Son of God, and the Father. He says, everything that the Father has revealed to me, I give to you. That's amazing. You are considered, some people, religious spirits in this room won't like it. You are considered on equal terms with Jesus. All of his inheritance, everything that he earned in his righteousness, he says, I give it to you. All of my inheritance, it's yours. Let's share it. It's not that he's not, it's not that it's only, it's not his any longer. He's saying, no, actually, we're friends. We're yoked together. Everything that's mine is yours. Everything that's yours is mine. All of your sin, all of your failures, yeah, they're mine. I took them. Some of us, we just need to know, again, that same simple phrase, Jesus is a friend of sinners. You view yourself as a sinner. I just told you, I messed up last, yesterday. Had to confess, right? But I don't label myself as a sinner. We sang it this morning. I'm holy. Jesus doesn't look at me as a sinner any longer. He says, I don't even call you master slave. I call you friend. I just was thinking about, man, friendship relationships. I don't know about you. Have, have you ever been all by yourself and laughed out loud? Yes. Okay, I've done that, right? Have, okay, who here has ever gone to the movie theaters by yourself? Ooh, all right, I'm not alone. I've done it once before. It was awkward. I, I don't know about you, but I felt so awkward. I'm like... I'm going in here, I'm sitting down, I'm all by myself. I just was so self-conscious. Everyone's looking at me, oh man, what a loser, he has no friends. Like, I just was thinking about it the whole time. Like, man, I couldn't, it was weird, right? I'm not saying that you can't do it, I'm just telling you how it is with me. And, and I was thinking about this, movies. I, you always get a movie, right, with a pastor up here in the pulpit, right? Movies. I was thinking about a movie I saw with one of my best friends in high school. And I'm telling you, it is to this day the hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life. I've never peed my pants, but that was the closest. The closest. 
I mean, I, just your stomach hurt. I had no more tears because they were all out. Like, I, just my gut was just, I was laughing so hard. And I remember years later, it came on and I was home alone and I was watching it and I didn't laugh out loud once. <laughs> the same exact movie. But it's amazing how friendship makes everything better. The best of times, the worst of times. Having a friend at the best of times, oh, it makes the best of times even better. Going through the worst of times, having a friend makes it so much better. What a friend we have in Jesus. God's word commands us, weep with those who weep. He would never command us to do something he hasn't already done with us. Some of us, man, we've gone through hard things. And I just want to remind you, Jesus has been there weeping with you. You're going to go through some hard things. Know that Jesus is there weeping with you. But also know that Jesus is laughing there with you. Uh, I love, oh, I don't know if I'm, I'm all over the place in my notes. I probably didn't say anything like I was supposed to. But um, my, my second point, right, where he wakes us up. Third point, what was my third point? I don't even remember at this point. Throw it up there. Um, he's a friend who commands. I'll get to that in a second. But there's this C.S. C.S. Lewis quote talking about friendship, and it's, I think it's under this point. And it says this, throw it up there. It says, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. I love that. I love that C.S. Lewis is so like, he's this theologian and so deep provoked, you know, uh, thought provoking thinker. And he's like, ah, right. And yet he says things like this. That's just like at gut level, we all understand it. Yes. I watch my kids growing up. I'm watching their friendships. I watch my daughter. She's got a friend where they laugh like she laughs with no other, no other sibling, parent, anybody else. It's a friendship. It's like, what? You too? You think that's funny too? And they just, ah, oh, they're coming together as friends. I love watching that. I love watching even my own two sons. They, were, they didn't even know. I was watching them yesterday. One of them was playing a video game by themselves. The other one came in. They started talking, whatever. And then they started laughing. In fact, one of them laughed so hard during dinner, he had to get up out of his seat and run to the sink and spit all of his food out in the sink because he was laughing so hard, right? I, I love that my sons can even be friends, right? Sometimes they're at, it, at each other's throats, right? But they love each other and they laugh. I love that that's who Jesus is. He has been a human. He knows what all these things. I talked about how... God told me I had to listen to country music. Because guess what? God likes country music. Some of you are like, amen. Some of you are like, I don't know, right? He does. Because those of you that love country music, he's saying the same thing to you. You too? Ah, and friendship is had. Right? Some of you, you can't stand the princess bride. Your pastor loves the princess bride. And I feel like Jesus is like, you too, right? Ah, me too. That's a great movie. Right? No matter what quirky thing you like, I feel like there's a relationship with Jesus where he says, ah, oh, me too. I love that stuff, right? I love that my relationship with Jesus is just real. It's not religious or phony. And like I said, he calls me out on things. And then there's this idea that he commands me. I'll tell you one thing, like I shared with you. Even between a husband and wife, try commanding, commanding your spouse to do something. Let me know how it goes. Supposedly your best friend, and according to God's word, Jesus as our friend commands us to do things. It's in there in John 15. We'll read it. John 15, verse 12. He says this, this is my commandment. 
that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. He is the only friend in the universe that gets away with this passage. Jen is my best friend here on earth. I'll tell you right now, if I command her to do something, our friendship's on rocky ground. But Jesus, as a friend, he commands us. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. He gets away with it because he's not just our friend. He is our master. He is our savior. He is all these things that we sing. But I guess for me, what I want today is for us to understand that he's not just your master. He's not just your savior. He is your best friend. And I feel like I'm only barely scratching the surface of it this morning. That you and I, we get to be on a journey for the rest of our lives. But I feel like even this next season here at Osborne, we are going to be exploring and enjoying understanding and experiencing friendship with God. It says that Moses was a friend of God. What was that like? I want to know. In fact, in some part, I do know. And that's where I feel like I can lead you at some point in that. But where God is taking us, I feel like I've not even fully experienced. Where God is taking us as a church into friendship, it's uncharted territory for me. And we get to explore it together as friends. One other quick inside story. On purpose, I picked, was it Luke 11.11? I think so, right? Not John 11.11? No, it was John 11.11. Our friend Lazarus sleeps. In my Donnelly family, so before I married Jen, my mom and sisters, we have an inside joke, not joke, but an inside 11.11. When the clock hits 11.11, whether it be right before noon or before midnight, 11.11 We know that's one way God is communicating to us that he loves us. It's just when we see that on the clock, oh, Jesus loves you. And so my sisters, my mom and I, we will all text each other. If we see 1111 on our phones, screenshot, send it. Jesus loves you, right? And I love that because 1111, it's even a visual representation that Jesus says it. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. That's the first 11. I love you. And then he commands us, and now that you and I are best friends, now go love one another. And Jesus says, all right, you want me to sum up the entire scriptures, all of the Bible? Let me sum it all up. Love God, love others. To me, it's a visual representation of 11.11. Me and God, me and others. When I see 11.11, it doesn't just remind me that Jesus loves me. It's also reminding me, oh, what am I doing right now to love somebody else? If Jesus was a lover of sinners then i got to be a lover of sinners too. If Jesus was willing to call out his best friend where he was wrong, I've got to be willing to call out my best friends where they're wrong. In love, not judging and condemning. Hmm. A couple more stories maybe I'll share with you. I'm, like I said, I'm in this journey of learning. I already know I'm God's friend, but I'm in a journey of just opening that up more and more understanding, unpacking, God revealing that to me more and more. And I love being a biological dad because I learn things, even in God's kingdom. When my kids were two years old, 
I was not their friend. I had no desire to be their friend. I was all supreme, all knowing, all powerful dad, right? In my household, you do what I say. You don't do what I say, there's consequences, right? That's how it was. I made sure they understood authority because I'm a mean, power hungry dad. No, because I love them so much. I want them to know that when I say something, I mean it. That, hey, stop running, right? They know that in my house, so that now when we go out in the front yard and I say stop running, they don't run into the street. It's because I know I want what's best for them. I'm going to be an authority figure in their life. As they're getting older, I'm learning that I'm not just their all-knowing, all-seeing dad, telling them what to do at every point in their life. I'm now becoming their friends. I don't stop being dad, but there's actually some enjoyment. I actually can throw a football back and forth with each other. I actually can tell a sarcastic joke, and they get it, right? There's things where they tell, tell me jokes and I laugh. I love that it's, there's maturity, there's growing up in my relationship with my own biological kids. And I feel like this morning, God is saying the same thing to us. You know that you're a child of God. You know that you're saved. Good. Do you know that you're actually a friend of God? That he enjoys conversation with you. That he actually finds pleasure in conversation. He actually is not just at the right hand of the Father interceding for you because you're this horrible sinner and he's just constantly praying for you saying, God, please have mercy on this guy. That happens sometimes. But that's not his constant relationship with you. He's more like what I described earlier at the right hand of the Father saying, oh my goodness, do you know this guy? Dad, this is my favorite. He's my best friend. She's my best friend. And he's constantly talking to the Father about you. How do I know? In the Old Testament, the oldest book in the Bible, the one that was written before Genesis, Job, was actually written before Genesis. That's how the story begins. Godhead is talking about, oh man, Job, there's no one like him. He's my favorite. He's so righteous. He loves me. We have conversation all day long, right? They're just loving. They're just bragging about Job in the heavenlies. And the devil's like, well, of course he's your favorite because you protect him and nothing bad happens to him, right? I'm not going to go through the whole story of Job, but I'm just showing this as an example. This is actually what happens in the heavenlies. I'm not some crazy kook. It's scriptural. God is infatuated with you. You saw Pastor Greg get choked up as he read those words from Song of Solomon. You are his beloved. You are his dear ones. And yet he calls us to love others the same way. Oh. See, sometimes I just love being loved on. I, my male ego, I just love it being stroked and God telling me how proud he is of me, telling me how good I am. Oh, I feel so good. All right, and then he says, all right, now you have to go love others the same way I'm loving you, Ryan. Oh, I just like staying right here, God, right? But that 11-11 again. Jesus loves me. Oh, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Oh, that childlike awe and wonder of God just loving on me. But now we've got called to go love others the same way. This command he gives us as our friends, I'm commanding you, go love others as I love you. He tells it's a new commandment. Don't love others just the way you love yourself. Actually love others the way I love you, above and beyond. All right, really quick, I'll share this story, wrap this up. 
This idea of loving others. I heard a pastor share the story that he was in business. And as he, this is a true story. As he was in business, um, there was a younger guy that, that he hired, and he thought, man, this guy's got leadership all over him. And so for the last couple of years, he was training this guy, bringing him under his wing, um, mentoring him, and actually brought him up to be a partner in his business. And so business was going well, and he wanted to expand the business. And so he brought this young man. He said, all right, I'm going to open up a new location. I'm going to put you in charge of it, and you're going to run this new location. And so they're talking about it. They go to buy the property, and in the midst of doing all this, this man, this younger man that he had just invested in, embezzles money and goes and signs and forges all the paperwork and makes it all his own business. On top of it, he's gone behind his back and talked to all the employees and stolen all of his best employees to go work at the new location. Talk about opportunity for bitterness and anger. And so this older gentleman, this businessman, he goes to the prayer closet He's talking to God. He's just letting God have it. How could you let this happen? I was doing what you told me to do. I was loving this guy. I invested in him. I was doing everything you told me to do. And then he heard his best friend, Jesus, tell him, do you trust me? Well, yes, God, I trust you. What does God's word say? Vengeance is mine. All right, fine. Take care of it, God. You go do business with that guy. You take care of it, right? And so God says, okay, I will take care of it. He heard, in conversation, he heard Jesus say, I'll take care of it. You got it. You're my best friend. I will take care of it. Do you trust me? Yeah, I trust you. You'll do what I command. As a friend, you'll do what I command? Yes, Lord. All right. I want you to bless this, this man. I want you to throw a grand opening party for him and pay for it all. What? Come on, God. How is that vengeance? How is that fair, right? But this is Jesus. He's a friend of sinners. I wish I could tell you. I don't even know the end of the story. I just know that's part of the story. <laughs> I'll just tell you, God took care of it. I know my relationship with Jesus. I know my God. He took care of it. He obeyed. I know that. The older gentleman obeyed. It might, it might not have just happened, wave a wand right after that grand opening, everything was fixed. I don't know. I don't know the end of the story. But I know that God took care of it because he's a friend. He never lets us down. So I feel like as I'm wrapping this message up, as Daniel comes up, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because I feel like the Holy Spirit could be saying seven different things right now. I know the Lord had this, I mean, God confirmed it over and over again. that This message was supposed to be about friendship today. And I'm telling you, all throughout week, I went like in 12 different directions for planning. And even this morning, I went different places than I had planned. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I feel like the Holy Spirit, on purpose, picked this message for someone in this room. And it could be more than one person, obviously. But he's calling you out. He's saying, I see you. Zacchaeus, I see you. I'm calling you out. I'm waking you up. And so really quick, if you just close your eyes, and I'm just, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I'm just getting an opportunity. With every eye closed, if today you feel like the Lord is calling you into relationship for the first time, 
that you need to make Jesus your friend, yes, but also your Savior and your Lord, would you look up at me, make eye contact? I just want to look in your eyes. I want to know that's what you're saying today. Just going to give you another couple seconds. All right. Now for the next person. You know you're saved. You know you're going to heaven. But as I said those words, a heavy spirit. You knew in your soul that was you. You just got a heavy spirit and you need a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You need a friend. Maybe in a way that you've never even had before in your entire life. You've seen other people have close friends and you say, I need that. Would you look up at me? Just let me know that's what God is saying to you this morning. Amen. One more. I'm going to do one more. Maybe God is calling you out as a friend. And he's saying, I see you. I'm your friend. I know there's sin and I'm putting my finger on this morning. And I'm calling you to be a friend of sinners. There's someone who's done you wrong. There's someone that you've convinced yourself they don't deserve your friendship any longer. And God is calling you out today. You call me your friend, but you've got to be a friend like me. It's not natural. It doesn't come easy. But I'm calling you out today to be a friend like Jesus. Would you look at me just so I can be praying for you? Look at me if that's what Jesus is saying to you. Amen. So if all of us could just stand, we're going to sing one last song. I'm just going to ask as we sing this last song, just talk to Jesus. He's your friend. He wants to hear. As I said that, I just thinking about my friendship with my wife, best friend. It happened this week. She said, I just need a second to talk to you and nobody else. And she just went, blah. About junk and other people and just blah. And know that there was no judgment. She didn't have, it was a, I don't necessarily like the word, it was a safe space. It was a place where there was no, I didn't have to correct her for wrong theology, correct her, well, that's not very loving and kind. It was just, I'll listen. Do you know that Jesus, it's okay? Read the Psalms, read David. He did it often. God, it's okay. He's your best friend. He's big enough to just take it. I don't want to manipulate, but if you looked up at me and you just know you need to stay where you're at, stay where you're at. But if you know you need prayer and you want prayer, we're going to have some leaders up front just to pray with you. So it could be any of those categories. No one's judging you. In fact, this is a place where we are all friends. We all love each other. I love that. You don't have to feel awkward like you're alone and the movie theater is all by yourself. We're all together. So I'll say another quick prayer, and at the end of that, we're going to sing a song and just come up as soon as I say amen. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you know exactly where each one of us are at, and you know how to encourage us and both convict us at the same time. And we just say yes. Yes to your friendship. 
yes to whatever you want to say to us. Yes, we will obey. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's sing. Prayers.